Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we've got a show that addresses an issue, a, a challenge that is being faced across demographic lines. We're speaking about optimally caring for our elders. It's a concern throughout Indian country, but of course it's not limited to folks with Native American backgrounds or indigenous backgrounds that they are very close to. We've got an expert for today's show that's going to walk us through this very timely and important subject. His name is Chris Arrestus. Chris, great to have you with us. Well, thank you. It's great to be on this show. It's a real pleasure. Chris, you've got an impressive background. Right now, you're the CEO of an organization that is working especially on this issue. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Uh, our company is Life Care Funding, and it's a company that we founded almost a decade ago with the mission to help seniors and their families understand the different forms of long-term care that, that they need to prepare themselves for in the future, uh, what kind of funding options are out there, public and private, that people need to understand so that they can access appropriately, and then help them to then access those funding options. There are a variety of ways that long-term care can be paid for, uh, depending on the type of care that someone is seeking and, and certain elements of their own situation that will qualify or disqualify them for certain types of care and certain types of payment options. And we work with families to educate and help them then access uh, the, the, these forms of care and, and ways to pay for it when they need it. Well, this is an exciting topic. Now, of course, we've got a whole range of listeners. Some of them are on reservations. They're going to take care of their elders. They're right there. The extended family is there. And uh, as they're listening to this topic, they're saying, you know, this isn't really all that relevant to us. We don't need to fund any care. There's no sources of care anyway. But We've got many listeners in urban areas, Native Americans and others, that are dealing with this situation right now. They have an older family member that is in the home, and they're at a point where they're saying, I don't know that we can do this anymore. Their care needs are just becoming so so demanding. I don't think we can render this level of care that's needed for our loved one in the home. And they're starting to look at other options. Now, Chris, I'll just be honest with you. When people get to that point... I don't know what the research shows, but it doesn't seem from my vantage point that a lot of people have made preparation for this. Is that true? That's absolutely true. What, what is a big crisis in this country is the fact that so few people are planning in advance for how they're going to take on long-term care when that time comes. It's a topic that families ignore, and they ignore it for, good, for, for a very understandable reason, and that is it's an unpleasant topic to consider or talk about. So people tend to ignore it. It's something they put off. And there's, therefore, there's a lot of misconceptions and misinformation or even just lack of information about what the various forms of care are, how to pay for it, what's going to be required. Uh, there's, there's too many people who assume that when they need care, it, it's just going to be there, it's going to be covered when that day comes. And, and unfortunately, for so many families, what they find out is once they're in a crisis situation, 
and the clock is ticking, and they have to start scrambling to take care of a loved one. They start to figure out all the things that they don't know about the system, how it works. Uh, and, and quite frankly, for your um, Native listeners as well as across the board, many people end up becoming caregivers at home. That's how this journey starts for so many people. They're in a situation where it, it, it sort of creeps up on them. Long-term care oftentimes will come in one of two forms. Either it will slowly creep up on you and you won't even realize that, that you've become almost a full-time caregiver to a loved one in the home, or something, something catastrophic happens. Someone slips, falls, breaks their hip, they're in the hospital, and they've got to go to a nursing home for rehabilitation, and they may never actually get out. So it can either spring on you overnight or it can slowly creep up on you. But for so many people, this journey does start at home being a caregiver. And then you start to figure out as it's unfolding in front of you, what is it that you need to do to move forward? Because it would be a very difficult proposition to sustain care for somebody if you're not a professional caregiver, you're not being reimbursed for it, you're missing time at work, you're losing wages, it's having an impact on your family, on your health as you're trying to care for a loved one without realizing or without admitting that they actually need true professional long-term care help. Mm. So this is so relevant because you're exactly right. As we deal with loved ones who are aging, and by the way, that's every single one of us. We're all, we're all aging, of course. We end up, uh, as a physician, I see this all the time, where things can happen catastrophically or it could just be a gradual process. So basically two major pathways that can lead us into this situation of looking for long-term care resources. One of the things that's fascinating to me, Chris, is as we talk about this subject, it's not just about the social and physical needs of the loved one and your ability to care for that. It pulls in all kinds of other issues, the financial realm, the political realm, the reg regulatory realm. You are in a unique position to speak to some of these things. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background before you got involved with Life Care Funding. Yes, I actually uh, spent a decade in Washington, D.C. I had worked in the White House, I had worked on Capitol Hill, and I was a lobbyist for the health insurance and life insurance industries. So I had a unique exposure to the coming long-term care crisis. Uh, I don't want to overly date myself, but my, my Washington, D.C. days were, were in the 90s and early 2000s. And during that time, there was a, sort of a, a look forward to the future that the coming baby boom a generation that would start crossing over into age 65, once that hit, this country would start to face some, some real pressure because the demand for care and how to pay for it would start to grow at an astronomical rate just because of such a large number of baby boomers. Well, now, those baby boomers started turning 65 at a pace of 10,000 people a day some years ago, and so that is starting to add up in the system, people looking for Medicare, Medicaid, other forms of payment to get into assisted living communities, nursing homes, access home care options. So we saw from a political standpoint that, that the political pressure would start to push back on the individual and the families to do more to pay for care themselves, and that indeed has happened. Just um, two summers ago now, I contributed to the uh, Congressional Long-Term Care Commission report, uh, and in it they talked about how Medicare, Medicaid would not be able to keep up with and sustain the growing baby boomer demand to pay for care. 
and private pay options were going to become more and more important. Things like insurance, savings, assets, benefits that come uh, to, to veterans or to, or to Native Americans uh, on how would they pay for care in ways other than primarily relying on Medicare and Medicaid. So as we're moving forward, Medicare and Medicaid will become more and more difficult. Those dollars will become more and more difficult to access because the requirements will get more stringent, the competition to get into quality care facilities will become more fierce, where people with private pay will be, I hate to say it, but preferred over people who are trying to get in with Medicare and Medicaid. Um, you're going to have uh, a, a political and socially disruptive dynamic happening because of the pressure of such a growing population fighting for, for what will become more scarce resources to provide care and to pay for it. So let's see if we can speak to those who are looking to federal programs like Medicare and Medicaid. So these may be individuals who are tuning in today. They're maybe not from a Native American background. We have many non-Native listeners. They can be individuals. Uh, many of our listeners have Native American roots. They may not be registered tribal members. They're basically not getting uh, tribal benefits, but they're actually looking to some of these large federal programs. Let's speak to that first. Do Medicare and Medicaid have any kind of long term care benefit associated with them? They do, and they're both different. Let's talk about Medicare and Medicaid for a second. Medicare is an age-based program, and what it is designed to do is it will provide coverage for what is known as rehabilitative care. So if you are in a hospital and discharged from a hospital and you're above the age of 65 into a rehabilitation facility, which is oftentimes a nursing home, you will get 100 days of care. But beyond that, uh, Medicare will no longer cover. And at that point, you need to be in a position to be able to either cover your care costs with private pay dollars or, or be able to transition from Medicare to Medicaid. Medicaid is a program designed to cover the elderly, the poor, and the disabled. Medicaid has become the default payer for long-term care services in this country. What people do now, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a big cottage industry in the United States where people will work with experts to impoverish themselves, to, to do what's known as spending down. They'll, put, they'll, they'll move assets into trusts. They'll spend them off. They'll try and give them away to impoverish themselves and to get below the poverty line levels that Medicaid requires to qualify for Medicaid to cover your cost of care. But once Medicaid does cover your cost of care, typically in a skilled nursing home facility, uh, that, care will con that coverage will continue for an indefinite time frame as opposed to Medicare, which has a very strict 100-day limit for rehabilitation services only if you've been discharged from a hospital. So those are, those are key differences between Medicare and Medicaid, both of which are programs to cover long-term care services that are not automatic. You don't automatically just get it. You have to meet those requirements or else you're not going to be covered. And that's where private pay dollars and private pay options come in as well, which is the area that we spend a lot of time working with families around the country on. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the Medicare because – You've got my mind running here. You talked about this ceiling or this cap of 100 days. Is that a lifetime benefit? Is it 100 days per hospitalization? How does that work? 
Yeah, you can you can uh, per hospitalization you could go back through another 100 day period. Medicare will also cover hospice care, uh, which needs to be recertified that your hospice needs are. And, and just to be clear, what a hospice is, it's, it's end of life care. Uh, that's where somebody who's terminal, who's reaching the end of life stage, will will receive uh, care to help them with pain management and and those final days of life. Uh, that is covered by Medicare. Uh, but your need for hospice services needs to be recertified every uh, 30 to 60 days. Uh, Medicare, again, is 100 days of coverage upon discharge from a, from a hospital into a skilled rehabilitation facility, and that can be re, you know, renewed for another 100-day period, but they're very, they do look closely at if somebody's just trying to do a revolving door of going from a nursing home back into a hospital, back into a nursing home. There are some very stringent requirements and some serious penalties if, if the system is appearing to be gamed. Hmm. So typically what happens is somebody gets one, one turn on Medicare, and then it's up to them to either have done the work to get onto Medicaid, which is not easy. Uh, you do have a lot of work to do to qualify for Medicaid, or to have private pay resources in place to pick up where Medicare leaves off, whether it's Medicaid or private pay. Something's got to pick up where Medicare leaves off when you get started with the system. Now, is it true that more and more people are buying long-term care insurance? Actually, it's the opposite. Less people are than than they were 20 years ago. Wow. And it's an interesting dynamic because in those days when I was in Washington, D.C., this period in the future was was being looked at as long-term care insurance was going to be the silver bullet to save long-term care financing, and it didn't happen because long-term care insurance uh, is, is an expensive proposition. And rates can be raised and are raised by companies when they've sold policies in the past. They can come back around and raise rates if they feel like they underpriced what they sold it to you for and it isn't keeping up with what they need, they can raise the rates. And it's really put a, a damper on long-term care insurance sales. And on top of all that, many big long-term care insurance companies got out of the business. It's a, there's not many insurance companies left that sell long-term care insurance. It's still a viable product. There are still some interesting options, hybrid policies that you can buy now that are a combination of life insurance and long-term care benefits where you can you can buy a policy that's a life insurance policy for a number of years, and then it can switch over to become a long-term care insurance policy if you qualify. Wow. There's a lot, a lot to talk about. We have to step away, though. We've got more coming up on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're speaking with Chris Arrestus. He's the CEO of Life Care Funding. A lot more pertinent, timely information. Stay tuned. We will be back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. My name is Florence A.Q. For lunch today, I had grilled chicken and squash. I am Zuni Indian, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. My name is D. Dakota Denesosi. I turned the TV off and took my nieces and nephews for a walk. We saw two jackrabbits, an eagle, and zero cartoons. I'm from the Dene Nation, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. 
Science has proven that if we lose as little as 10 pounds by walking briskly for 30 minutes, five days a week, and make healthier food choices, we can prevent diabetes. My name is Barbara Akisakpuk Curtis. I'm losing weight and being more active. I am Alaskan Inupak Eskimo, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. For more information on how to prevent diabetes, talk to your health care provider. For free materials, call the National Diabetes Education Program at 1-800-438-5383 and ask for the power to prevent diabetes. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This is Meryl Streep. Over the years, I have played some characters you could call controlling, but the truth is there's so much in life we can't control. But here's something we can colorectal cancer. It affects men and women, and it's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., which is astounding, considering it's almost entirely preventable. Here's how. Most colon cancers start as polyps, and screening helps find polyps so they can be removed before they even turn into cancer. Screening also finds this cancer early, when treatment works best. For me, screening was simple and quick. It was no big deal, except for the huge sense of relief you feel afterwards. There are several tests that you can choose from. If you're 50 or older, you should talk to your doctor. Decide which one's right for you. Take control. Do everything you can to prevent colon cancer. Screening saves lives. It could really save your life. For more information, call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and with Chris Arrestus. He's the CEO of Life Care Funding. We're talking about one of these great challenges that we face in Indian country and beyond, and that is caring optimally for our elders. Whether you're listening on a reservation today, whether you're in an urban area, whether you have Native American roots or not, there are real challenges in this area. We've been speaking about some of the common ways that people throughout North America, or at least throughout the United States, pay for long-term care, and that is the government often comes into the picture at some point in time. But Chris, you painted a scenario for us of some people who may have means, maybe they don't have benefits for a variety of reasons, and they're looking at having to pay uh, from private sources. What does that look like, and what kind of costs are we talking? Well, you know, there's, there's different ways that private pay can be brought into the fold. And when we say private pay, there's obviously two different realms of payment. There's public funds, which is Medicare and Medicaid. And then there are private resources, which are oftentimes insurance-based, savings, assets, loans. Um, Those are are sort of a realm of of private pay options. And private pay uh, is preferred by most long-term care providers because it will reimburse at a higher rate, uh, a higher hourly or daily rate than Medicare and Medicaid does. So for people who want to get into, say, a really nice assisted living community, a very nice high-end nursing home, access the best home care companies, they will often require or, or at least prefer private pay patients over those coming with public funds of Medicare and Medicaid. So in addition to long-term care insurance, which there are millions of people in this country who own long-term care insurance policies, but that, that as a solution to the private pay side of funding long-term care never 
got to the critical mass level that was expected because of a variety of, of, of reasons in the marketplace related to the long-term care insurance companies themselves, how they priced it, uh, the, the stringent levels that people have to go through to access the benefits once they do get to that point where they need care. Uh, so some alternatives in the marketplace do exist. One, and it's, it's something that our company, Life Care Funding, has specialized in for years and has been a real pioneer in the country, uh, is taking existing life insurance policies, different than a long-term care insurance policy, life insurance policies, and converting the death benefit into a long-term care benefit plan. And that, in essence, is instead of, say, throwing away a $100,000 term life insurance policy, you will take a portion of the death benefit today in exchange for that life insurance policy. That money that you take goes into a irrevocable protected benefit account where monthly payments are paid directly to whatever care provider that you choose. So there's one option that's out there in the marketplace that is a, a unique alternative to long-term care insurance. Some people will look for reverse mortgages and use their homes as a way to fund care such as home care in the home using a reverse mortgage. There are loan programs out there that seniors can access, senior-specific loan programs designed specifically to address long-term care services. There are also uh, specific benefits for veterans. Now, that's public funding, but it's a unique source of public funding. If you're a veteran of an active field of war, you're actually in combat uh, at some level of on the ground in a combat environment, there are benefits as much as $2,000 a month that can go to your, towards your long-term care costs. And these sources of payment are important because long-term care costs are very expensive. Okay, so let's see if, if I'm putting this together based on what you're communicating, Chris. You're talking about a number of ways outside some of the more conventional government funding sources like Medicare and Medicaid, and some of them were pretty familiar to me. Others are, are actually new to me. I mean, one that you mentioned is this veteran benefit. Is this something that's being underutilized? I mean, are there many people who actually could be accessing this benefit but are not? Yeah, I would say two of the most underutilized benefits are the veterans' benefit. Not enough veterans know, and the Veterans Administration is not going to advertise that this is available. It's something that if you know about it and are working with, say, an attorney who knows how to access that benefit or, or somehow you find out about it and you try and go to the Veterans Administration yourself, it, it, it's, it's a stringent requirement and, and process you have to go through. It can take uh, It's not uncommon for it to take upwards of a year to actually get the benefit going. But if you do qualify and get the benefit going, uh, that can be a consistent additional source of funds, private pay funds, towards your care. Another, unfortunately, very underutilized resource are people who own life insurance policies that, that they allow to lapse or they surrender across the country without realizing that they actually have the legal right to convert those policies through the secondary market into a long-term care benefit plan that actually has some significant tax advantages, a lot of flexibility uh, for people in terms of how much they need to spend on care, what form of care they want to select. Uh, and it's in both of these instances, the veterans benefit, the, the life insurance policies being converted to long-term care benefits are available to people across this country in every state. The unfortunate thing is too few people know about it. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this whole 
term life option and converting it. And I know when we speak about insurance, life insurance, and especially you as a professional, many times we take for granted that there's a lot of folks who either don't have life insurance or even if they have it, they may not have done all the homework and realize how a policy works. So let's talk about the concept of term life and speak to us uh, as a group, all myself, my listeners, as if we know nothing about this. We've never heard about life insurance. Just first of all, what is term life? Well, you actually have um, a variety of types of life insurance. Term life is a form of life insurance that you purchase for a specific period of time oftentimes 10, 15, or 20-year terms. That's why it's called term life, because you're buying it for a period of time, a term of time. And so it's a form of insurance that does not accumulate any cash value, and it is not permanent, so it tends to be less expensive in the monthly premium payments, because the key to purchasing life insurance is, in essence, it is a promise by a life insurance company that upon your death, a a certain amount that you have purchased in advance will be paid tax-free to whatever beneficiaries you've named. Typically, it'll be your family, your children. Typically, people, when they start families, will then buy life insurance because if the income provider of that family were to pass away, that then would step forward to, to take over the gap that has been created by the loss of the income provider. So for Let's say, let's say you bought a $100,000 term life policy for a premium payment of $50 a month. As long as you're paying $50 a month, that insurance company is legally bound to, to pay $100,000 to whoever you've named upon your death. If you stop paying the $50 a month, the policy cancels, and the, and the insurance company will not pay out to anybody. So let me see, let me see Chris, if, if I've got this straight. Someone has bought, though, this $50 a month policy for a $100,000 benefit, but when they purchased it, let's say they were 50 years of age, they might not be able to get it for 50 a month at that age, but let's just say they did, they're buying it for maybe 20 years, so when they turn 69, when they become 70, this policy, if they haven't died, they're not going to get anything out of it. Am I understanding that? Right or not? Correct. It, it will either it will either cancel, which is known as lapsing. It will lapse and and go out, go away, or the premiums will increase significantly to keep it going. And so, what happens for most people with term life policies, where they were paying fifty dollars a month, and then all of a sudden the premium shoots up to three hundred dollars a month because now it's beyond that term they bought it for. Mm-hmm. They crossed the twentieth year. The 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 expectation is that people are going to let these policies go because they're not going to continue to pay a much more expensive premium payment to keep it in force. In force is a term that means the policy is active and and the insurance company is still obligated to pay the death benefit upon your death as long as you're paying premium payments. But for term policies, most people will let them go when they reach the point that it crosses beyond the term that they bought it for and the premium payments will go up quite significantly. Okay, now you're saying in this scenario, as someone perhaps is getting toward the end of their term, maybe they're not, there's a way to take that benefit, that $100,000 benefit in our example, and actually move some of those funds into long-term care funds? Correct, correct. And, and, And the way it works predicated on an immediate need for care. So what will happen for somebody who wants to convert their life insurance policy into a long-term care benefit 
It's something that they do at the time they need care. This is actually one of the few options that exists that is specifically designed to address care at the time it's needed. Long-term care insurance is something you, not, you need to buy years in advance. Mm -hmm. uh, a reverse mortgage you, you're going to do where, when you're still relatively young and healthy. Veterans benefits can take some time to access, but converting a life insurance policy can be done in a matter of weeks. So to do it, you need an immediate need for care because once you've made that policy conversion, the funds need to start being applied towards care immediately. So okay. with a term life policy, it's a measure of how long you're going to need care compared to how expensive the policy is to continue going forward, and that's where you would figure out how much you would be able to get towards your long-term care. Some, for some people, the, the math may not work out, and, and they're not going to be able to do it, but for, for most people, it is something that they will be able to access. Excellent. We've got to talk more about this and about other options for really taking care of the challenges that come financially when we try to optimally care for our loved ones. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We have to step away just for a couple of minutes. Chris Arrest is staying by. You do the same. More important, life-changing information coming up on today's edition of American Indian Living. We will be back. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. I'm Karen, and two very important people in my life, my husband and my father, have been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation, or AFib, is a type of irregular heartbeat. People with AFib are five times more likely to have a stroke than people without AFib. Talk with a healthcare professional today about your risk and learn how to manage AFib to prevent a stroke. Visit stroke.org slash AFib to learn more. My name is Mira Batra. I have been in this country 32 years, and this is how I live united. America has always been the land of promise, and in my community, many families have come for a better life. Coming from another culture myself, I know the desire to become part of a community, to feel at home, and to gain the tools for our children and families to succeed. So I advocate for these families with United Way. United Way empowers them to look beyond their histories and to see what opportunities are available. We help them get involved with their kids' schools, network within the community, and when we do, we unite them. We make the community stronger. What I do is something I wish someone had done for me, and I am so grateful I am able to. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunities and succeed. I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Did you know that 63% of homes contain allergens from cockroaches? And that mice spread potent asthma triggers found in 82% of homes? It's true. Common household pests are major offenders on the list of indoor allergens. Learn what you can do to help your family breathe easier. Visit PestWorld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association and the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose. We're in our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. We've got Chris Arrestus with us. He's a senior care advocate and expert on the topic. He is the CEO of Life Care Funding, and we've been trying to get a better handle on what we can do for our loved ones when we have some of those uh, challenging needs in uh, the later years. Chris, one of the things that I think you've got all of us thinking about is a new concept for me. I, I had not heard about this idea of being able to take a term life insurance policy and somehow convert at least a portion of it into a benefit for uh, really long-term care. Let me see if I understand it, just as by way of recap. I've got this, let's say, $100,000 term life policy. And let's say that policy is going to come due in two or three years, but I end up with a serious illness. My family can no longer care for me at home. And we're looking to say, well, maybe he can get in this uh, skilled nursing facility. But uh, the family's looking at the finances and they say, I don't know how we can pull this off. How, how do they go about accessing those funds in the term life policy? Uh, well, and just to be clear, you can actually do it with any kind of life insurance. So it's not just term life. It's universal life policies, whole life policies, group life policies, which are all commonly purchased life insurance policies across the United States. But for people that have any form of life insurance, term life included, obviously, uh, what they're going to do is, in essence, they're going to be exchanging the policy. So they're no longer going to be responsible for the premium payments because they're exchanging the ownership of the policy for its present-day value. So, as, again, just for round numbers, you had a $100,000 life insurance policy, um, and you had the potential you're going into assisted living or a nursing home, which means you probably have two or three years more of life ahead of you, which is the typical range for people in this country when they get to that stage of life. You might get... 40 or 50 or even 60% of the value of that policy. So that $100,000 policy that you might be thinking you're going to walk away from by lapsing it, surrendering it, letting it go, and getting nothing in return might actually be forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 wow. that would then go into a protected benefit account that's held irrevocably. The money can't be used for anything but long-term care. It's a restricted account that can only be used for long-term care, but... For that person with chronic conditions who needs long-term care services, every dollar that's being spent out of that account for long-term care services is actually tax-free dollars. Hmm. So it's a tax-free benefit using a life insurance policy, a significant portion of its death benefit that you would were more than likely going to let go of and get nothing for. Now you're getting something significant for it, and it doesn't cost you premium payments anymore because you've exchanged the ownership of the policy to a, a third party who's now paying the premium payments. Now, what's going to happen in the end when you die and you got $50,000 today that went towards your care, when you do pass away, the group that has purchased your policy and gave you that money up front is going to recover their money because uh, they're going to collect the full death benefit. I got it. So basically, you're making the beneficiary of this policy a a third party, and in return for signing over to them, if you will, that $100,000 death benefit, they're saying, you know, based on our actuarial studies, it's going to cost us this much, we're going to make this much, much profit, and we're going to give you 60000 up front or commit to that 
for your long-term care needs. Am I conceptualizing that correctly? Exactly, yes. That is how it works. Okay. So Life Care Funding, the corporation that you're the CEO of, is that the special niche you have in this whole equation? That's correct. That's correct. And in fact, Life Care Funding, we are the company that pioneered this concept. So when you, if you read about it, you go online, you know, you'll see that the, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, USA Today wrote stories over the years about the, this, this newly emerging financial option that was one of those things that people just didn't realize they were able to do. We saw that that was uh, an underserved market, an option that people didn't know about. So we went out into into the world to educate people and make this available, which rolled into more attention being paid to to this as a way for people to pay for care in the media. Legislatively, I have testified across the country at legislative hearings uh, as a consumer advocate so that they are given the information and and, and disclosure rights to be told about this option as a way to help them pay for Mm -hmm. care. And it's really been something that over the last few years really emerged across this country, but still is one of those sort of best-kept secrets when it comes to ways to pay for long-term care. Boy, I'm actually excited about what you've been sharing with us. I mean, it's great. We're dealing with some some challenges in our own uh, extended family, and and this is just really helpful and practical information. So, Chris, if one of our listeners, I mean, I know how to contact you. I've got you on the phone right now. But if someone else wants to benefit from what your organization is doing, how would they do that? Uh, we would encourage people to go to our website first and, and do, do a little homework. Take a look at the information that's on there. And the website is www.lifecarefunding.com, all one word, lifecarefunding.com. On there you're going to find great information about this and other options to help people pay for care, helpful videos, uh, testimonials from consumers, access to, to care providers across the country, uh, so it's our, it, the website is designed to be a very helpful tool uh, and, and a phone number if you want to talk to, to one of uh, our counselors who, who are standing by always to, to work with families. The phone number is 888-670-7773. Let me see if I've got that correct. 888-670-7773. That's correct. Call that number and there will be people standing by during during business hours. Uh, we're in East. We're based in the East Coast, although we work across the country. We work with families across the country in every state, uh, but that's where you would find us. And, and otherwise, find us online. And I always encourage people, too, to do your homework beyond. Just Don't just go to our company, but go online. Google. Use Google as a tool. Look up long-term care options, long-term care funding, how to pay for long-term care, how to qualify for Medicare, Medicaid. Do some homework. That's the big mistake that families across this country are making is they don't recognize the signs of care that are, that are, that are creeping up on them, and they're missing it with, with a loved one. They haven't done their homework on what forms of care are appropriate, how to pay for it. And, again, people get caught in a crisis situation. All of a sudden they're scrambling. And if they had done some homework in advance, if they had talked amongst themselves as a family and started to prepare, when they get into this situation, they would handle it so much better than if you're forced in a crisis situation to try and figure this whole thing out in a couple of days. Well, we want to move to talking about some of those practical ways to identify need for care. But if everything has just flown by you too quickly, throwing out those websites, those contact numbers, let me give it to you one more time. 
But the number four, Life Care Funding, that's the company that uh, Chris works for, 888-670-7773. And, uh, of course, you can always simply go to lifecarefunding.com. Chris, let's go to that next question. I'm dealing with it right now. We have uh, my wife's 97-year-old mother. She lives with us, and uh, you know we're glad that she's here. We can see that she's not the uh, same person she was even a couple years ago. Time takes a toll on a person. What kind of things should we be asking or, or other listeners that are tuning and they're dealing with similar situations? How do we identify what when we need help and where do we go? You know, there's there's some telltale signs that people should be looking for when it comes to what you need to be spotting when it comes time for long-term care. And, and it breaks into three categories. There's physical signs, there's mental signs, and then there's environmental or lifestyle signs. Physically, when you're with a loved one, and, and oftentimes people maybe haven't seen uh, uh, their grandparents or their parents for some time, and you see them, we see this a lot of times around the holidays, where all of a sudden they notice that somebody's a loved one's lost a lot of weight mm. or is much weaker or having a hard time with balance or maybe even seeing some physical signs of, of, of injuries from falling or, or walking into doors, what have you. Those physical signs are, are, are sure clues, particularly rapid weight loss, um, injuries that, that maybe uh, show uh, falls, um, weakness, tough time with balance, those are signs that, that you should be looking at. Is it safe for this person to live alone anymore? Are they starting to lose their ability to safely live on their own? Mm-hmm. Then from a mental standpoint, you want to be looking for cognitive clues. Cognitive meaning you know, your memory, your ability to remember names, dates, events, locations. If you're confusing where you used to live, when you used to live there, children, grandchildren, don't blow those things off as senior moments. Those are real signs that there's the potential for dementia, Alzheimer's, starting to creep into the picture. And if it is, that's something that needs to be paid attention to because that's a huge challenge to the ability to continue to live alone and independently. Then environmentally, look around the home. Is the home all of a sudden disheveled? Is there, is there damage? Is there signs of you know flash fires in the kitchen? Uh, things placed in, in odd places where they shouldn't be, like pots and pans in a bathtub, uh, house plants in the, in the refrigerator. We seriously have, have run into these things. And those are signs that something's wrong, something's amiss at home, and it may no longer be possible for a loved one to, to live independently. And that's when the family needs to come into action, and that's when a family action plan will become so important. So basically, we're really talking about a situation where we want to be proactive. It's we're beyond that point with my mother-in-law. We've already said, you know, it's obvious she needs to be living with someone. She recognized that, so that's why she's here. But we're speaking about the step before that. How do you even get to that point where you have to really uh, sometimes have that difficult dialogue with a loved one who feels like they want to be independent, but they're really not in a position to do so anymore, correct? It's, you know, it's one of the great challenges because and it's not just a challenge for, for the loved one, but for, for the family members as well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, think about it. You're looking at your parent, this person who, who for so many years has been the person taking care of you in so many ways. And all of a sudden it, it switches. And now you're looking at that person and you've got to take care of them. And that's a hard, that's a hard bridge to cross for everybody. 
Uh, and for so many people, they're actually in denial. They won't admit it on either side of, of that equation, whether it's the loved ones or, or, or the family members. Um, and so what happens oftentimes is instead of admitting they need care, you just start to slowly creep into giving more and more care. And we've run into these, uh, I'll give you an example, not that long ago, uh, one of our nurses was talking to a family on the phone about their, their situation, trying to evaluate their health care needs, asked the question to the wife if their husband, if her husband was still able to shower on his own. And, and her answer was, well, absolutely. I mean, I help him get into the shower and I turn on the water. I want to make sure it's not too hot. I don't want him to burn himself. And then I, I stand by so he doesn't fall or anything. I don't, want, I don't want him to get hurt. And I help him get out and give him his towel. He towels off. So, yeah, no, he, he showers independently, no mm-hmm. problem. And we said, well, no, that's actually somebody who no longer can shower on their own. Right. And that is actually what's known as an activity of daily living, an ADL. And, and a couple of ADLs, that if you can't do that, say shower on your own, feed yourself, uh, put on your own clothes, uh, be able to go to the bathroom, it's called toileting. Um, if you're not able to do you know, one, two, three of those things, those are really strong indicators mm-hmm. of loss of independence and the need mm-hmm. to start looking at at least home care assistance, if not moving into an assisted living or skilled nursing home facility. Well, this is amazing stuff, great material. We have got to step away just one more time. We'll be back with more from Chris Arrestus, our final segment on American Indian Living coming up. I'm Dr. DeRose. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. What I say, you already know, but you don't believe. You won't accept. You don't conceive. When you're inside your car, you feel safest of all. Are you safe? Are you? Two tons of sheet metal in your hands. Two tons don't run on autopilot. You have a mission. It's no collision. Hold the phone. Don't text. You're angling to be next. Oh, you've done it before. What's the harm? Just this once. There's no alarm. Got your hands on the wheel? No big deal. Brothers and sisters, you won't see it coming. You're off the road. Your life explodes. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You only think there's nothing to it. Put it down, hang up, pay attention to highway action. Behind the wheel, there is no such thing as a small distraction. Join the conversation at DecideToDrive.org, a public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who would rather help keep your bones strong than put them back together. We are here to say a word about cancer. When you talk to someone who has been diagnosed with cancer, be positive. Be supportive. That's it. Stop right there. Don't start telling them about your Uncle Vern. Or the next-door neighbor. Don't be grim. Try not to disappear, either. Don't cross to the other side of the street. Don't stop calling. Don't cry. Don't ever say, you're living my worst nightmare. You know who you are. Here's the important part. Be positive. Be positive. Se positivo. Say these words. You will do great. Keep calling. Check in. Be a friend. Or be a new friend. Be a supportive. Positive friend. Smile. Try not to be afraid. Or act afraid. Fear is not useful. Be a funny, hopeful human being. If you come across cancer, let it transform you into your most positive self. And inspire. Urge. Fortify. Rally. Encourage someone to do great. This message brought to you by Cancer Survivors. For more information, to hear stories or share your own, visit DoGreatCampaign.com. Do great. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with Chris Orestes. Chris is the CEO of Life Care Funding. He's an expert in the insurance arena. He has ties with uh, legislative experts throughout the country. He has worked in the insurance industry, and he's now trying to help people optimally care for their loved ones in those final years. Chris, we've been speaking about a whole host of things, how to pay for those needs, how to identify when a loved one is really in need of additional care, when they can't take care of themselves at home. But once you've determined that, once you realize there's needs, you talk about something called a family action plan. Tell us what that's all about. Yeah, it's important that that once you have recognized and everybody has come around to admit to themselves, to each other, that that the need for care now exists, the family needs to come together because long-term care really is a family journey. It's very rare that, that this is something that's undertaken by somebody by themselves. Very, most often, it's, it, there's a spouse, and if there is not a spouse, there's usually adult children, maybe siblings, an extended family. <clears throat> but in most cases, long-term care is something that, that brings in the family to work together. And that's the key is that they are working together as opposed to working apart. And we've seen situations where families who are not on the same page are actually doing more harm than good. But if you can, if you can focus on, number one, the most important goal, and that is the need of the loved one to get the best possible care that they can. Mm. It's not about you know, how to save money. It's not about how to get assets divided up and spread out among the kids. Uh, it's about giving the best possible care to a loved one. And when the family works together to accomplish that goal, instituting a family action plan that really nominates members of the family to play certain roles in how care is going to be uh, accessed and and managed going forward. Because it's important that you're not just dropping somebody off at a nursing home and saying, you know, we'll be back in six months to see you for Christmas. Typically, this is a a process that you're going to stay involved in all the way through to the end. So you're going to want to know in the family who's the right person to potentially be the power of attorney. Who's the right person to be the to be hands on and in charge of say driving and and going mm. to tour nursing homes, assisted living communities, talk to home care companies, talk to care providers to figure out what the best one is, and then to stay involved in that uh, and make sure that you're visiting, make sure that you're staying on top of what's going on. Also, key in the family action plan is understanding what form of care is best and desired by the person who's going to receive it. Is it home care? Is it assisted living? Is it a nursing home? And then how is it going to be paid for? Are you going to be using Medicare and Medicaid coming right out of the gate? Are there, or are there private pay resources? How much money is in the bank account? What assets are available? Where is the actual deed on the home, the mortgage, uh, the paperwork for, say, insurance policies? Where are those? You want to get that organized and in one place. Don't wait to scramble around looking for it after the fact. Get it together. Talk to your loved one. Talk amongst yourselves so you all agree what type of care, how are we going to pay for it, who's playing what roles, power of attorney, driver, caretake, you know, caretake manager, and, and um, then access to those assets if they are available 
for bank accounts through insurance policies to be ready to deploy on paying for care uh, as this starts to unfold. Well, Chris, you, you're, you're walking us through, I think, a very useful construct, and you're talking about some terms that I'm sure are resonating with many of the listeners, but I'm just listening to this very practically, and I'm saying, well, you know, some of these decisions are pretty tough. I mean, you mentioned this continuum, home care, assisted living, nursing home. What kind of things does someone have to look at? Because I see a lot of patients in my practice who don't have a lot in the way of resources, and I'm seeing many of those individuals caring for older family members at home, and the question often comes, I know, to some of them, is this just too much? Is is that really the question that they're asking? I know you're saying it's ultimately the loved one's needs that you're putting first, but I think we all realize if you ruin your own health or throw out your back, uh, care, you know, helping the loved one get in and out of the tub, then you're not going to be able to render any care. How does someone know which option is the best? First of all, we, we always counsel families to, to move away from being the care provider as mm. soon as they can because it will burn them out. If you're not qualified, you're not trained, uh, you may end up doing more harm than good to yourself and your loved one, and to move towards professional care as quickly as you can. And if you've done some of your homework in advance and you understand the differences between home care and, and the types of home care. There's there's actual skilled nursing care that Medicare and Medicaid will reimburse for, for licensed care practitioners. <clears throat> but the more prevalent form of home care is non-licensed private pay uh, home care assistance. Uh, that can get expensive. But for people that want to stay at home, for some, the price doesn't matter. For others, the price is going to be too high, and you're starting to look at going into, say, a nursing home, which is the higher level of care when you compare that to assisted living or home care. Skilled nursing home care, nursing homes are the highest level of care. For the most part, are paid for by Medicare and Medicaid because usually people will have depleted their resources through home care and assisted living on their way to ultimately arriving at a nursing home where Medicare and Medicaid would take over. So home care and assisted living, which is mostly private pay, can be very expensive. It would be easy to spend three, five, upwards of $10,000 a month on home care and assisted living. Nursing home care is is in the same price range, but very often Medicare and Medicaid is paying for that. So for, for the consumer who goes in, that's not coming out of their pocket. So basically it does involve the whole family coming together, really looking at the needs of the loved one, and then looking at the resources that you have both in the family and in the community at large, right? That's right. And, and, and the key to making this thing work is to not wait till the last second. Too often families are standing around a, a, in, a, in a hospital around their loved one's bed and discharge uh, people are saying to them, you know, all right, do you know where we're moving your mother? She needs to be out of here in 48 hours. Do you have everything in place to pay for it? How are you going to be paying? And people are just staring at each other going, you know, we never, ever thought about this or talked mm. about this, and now we have 24 or 48 hours to figure the whole thing out. Don't wait to the last second. That's the biggest piece of advice we can give people. Don't wait to the last second. Don't ignore the signs when you're seeing them. Have that family action plan in place. Understand the different forms of, of care and the different ways to pay for it, what you will and won't qualify for. And if you put all that together, 
you'll be ready when that time comes. You know, Chris, we talked a lot about these funding sources during the show. One of them that I'm going to just be honest with you, I didn't gravitate to it because it really worried me. Maybe we should just mention that. You mentioned the reverse mortgages. I don't have an issue with that because that's equity a person already has in their home. But I got really worried when you mentioned loan programs. That sounds like a scary proposition. Am I right in being concerned about that? Well, you know, when you take out loans, you you are taking on uh, a responsibility to to repay that loan, which will come with interest uh, fees. Um, but for that, there are loan programs out there that are reputable and and are specifically designed for senior care. They're, they're known as senior care bridge loans. Hmm. Uh, and what usually will happen is family members will will co-sign on those loans, and they're not huge, uh, maybe fifty thousand dollars. And I know $50,000 is nothing to sneeze at, but in the world of long-term care, you can eat up $50,000 very fast. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, those loan programs are designed to bridge you through till something like you, you either your long-term care insurance benefits kick in, your veterans benefit has qualified, you've, you, maybe you're, you're, you're getting the life insurance policy conversion okay. in place. Uh, but I wouldn't, you wouldn't look at the loan programs as something you'd live on uh, and then with a reverse mortgage, you can access more money out of out of the equity of your home. Uh, and there are certain bands within age and, and values of home that you can get money from. Mm-hmm. But an important thing to remember about a reverse mortgage is you need to be living in the home. If you exit the home, then the reverse mortgage needs to be paid back. So it's mm-hmm. not a way to pay for, say, an assisted living community, but it could be a way to help you with home care. Okay, very good. Well, Chris, our time is uh, basically just about slipped away from us. One more time, if people are looking for more information, you've got some helpful resources. Give us your contact information. You'll want to visit our website. LifeCare Funding's website is www.lifecarefunding.com. And you can also call us where our, our, our agents, our counselors are standing by at 888 888- Seven zero seven 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 three, and they're ready to answer questions and point you in the direction of, of the right resources. And you'll find that kind of information on the website as well. Chris, thank you so much. One more time, the website is simply lifecarefunding.com and the phone number 888-670-7773. Well, that's all the time we've got in today's edition of American Indian Living. Hopefully today has opened your mind to some things that can help not only with your health ultimately, the health of your loved ones, but the health of your community, the health of your tribe. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Service.